With that, I'd like to introduce our head football coach, Carl Durrell. Have one goal in mind, which is to bring a championship. Give it off on the end around the LaVisca Chanel, who runs over the top of the defender. Sideline ball, Chanel. It is Side Mango made the first man miss. Stayed on his feet for the touchdown. Welcome back to the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast, and to start the season, Buffs are 1-0. So a good start from Carl Durrell's Buffs, I think a little bit unexpected result um, in a lot of different senses from this past weekend. We're going to get on that recap real quick here, but we actually, I forgot to uh, bring this question in from our mailbag from the 4th of November, so this is right before last weekend. Uh, It was from Ryan. And Ryan said, curious to hear your take on Tucker beating Michigan after losing to Rutgers. Is Michigan just that bad? Love that you boys are back in business. Go Buffs. So obviously before uh, when he had sent this question in, we had not seen Michigan lose to Indiana. It was Indiana, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then Michigan State got romped again. Boat race. So <laughs> I think I think it's pretty quick and easy now to, to answer this question to say I think both – Michigan and Michigan State are bad, and Michigan is just a lot worse than everyone really projected to start this year. Well, we were talking about it after, because both of us kind of watched the Michigan-Michigan State game at the time, and we were talking about how it looked like the quarterback for Michigan just wasn't very good. Like, he clearly had a Mm -hmm. strong arm, but he was super inaccurate and was missing throws all over the place, and we were both kind of like, is Michigan bad? this year like are they just bad a bad team and and they were getting they're getting picked like their defense they had like michigan state just singled out two corners and were picking on them all game yeah they have one guy i think he's like number four on their defense who uh is a corner and he yeah he was getting cooked all game long and then when they played indiana they did the exact same thing like if you watch the highlights it's the same guy deep ball that side, deep ball, right side, deep ball, right side. Every single time, it's the same guy. Yeah. So. so, so yeah, so to answer your question, Ryan, I think Michigan is just that bad, and so is Michigan State. Somehow, they are just not as bad. Um, uh, but that also kind of makes that's me That's even debatable, though, too. I don't know. That's true. <laughs> they did just get that's whooped true. by Iowa by, like, 40 points, so. Yeah. That was, I saw on ESPN, threw it up on the ticker, um, that was tied for Michigan State's worst law worst loss in history against a team with a losing record. It was a really weird stat, but it was their worst team loss in history against a team with a losing record. Yeah, there's they're in trouble. I don't know what's going on yeah. there. Yeah. Um so that I mean that does beg the question, and this is obviously something we can get into later, but why is Dylan McCaffrey not starting at Michigan? I mean obviously he transferred, but what what did the coaches see? Obviously, we weren't there in practice, but I can't imagine he was that bad comparatively to this guy. Because I mean, when we saw him in game action a couple times last year, he looked pretty looked pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, I think if there's anything we can learn from getting back to what people have come here for, our Colorado Buffaloes, um, we can see that sometimes the guys who watch people play every day actually know what they're doing. So... When they see, say, Sam Neuer and they decide to start him at quarterback, it might just be because (laughs) he actually knows how to play quarterback pretty well. Um, So I'm inclined to side with Michigan here and just say that for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe McCaffrey didn't fit their system the way they wanted him to or whatever. But, you know, clearly whatever he was showing them in practice and stuff wasn't what they wanted. And, you know, sometimes people fall in love with, like, the arm talent guy or Steve Montes. Yes. You know, like sometimes they just can't help themselves. Like, Oh, that guy can throw it 60 yards on a rope. You know, he's our starting quarterback when he's 
got a sack of potatoes for brains and uh, doesn't really know what he's doing. So, you know. Yeah, so, well, obviously, you know, getting back to, to see you. And, oh, and if anybody does want to send in any questions for us to go over, it's shoulder to shoulder pod at gmail.com. Um, that's T O, not the number two. So shoulder to shoulder pod at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, let's get into this, this UCLA game, UCLA game, which was, I, I mean, I, I was kind of speechless the, the first half on what was happening. Obviously we came out with a lot, like we took, we caused a lot of turnovers and that kind of helped get us out to that 35 to 14 lead. But I mean, the offense, it was kind of a flip story of what I expected. The offense looked pretty solid, pretty potent, and the defense was getting gashed left and right, especially in the second half. I mean, look, I said that this game was going to be 24 to 17, so they literally doubled up the score that I had them for, and I was thinking that would yeah. be a good <laughs> offensive night, 24 points. So, um, yeah, it went way different than I expected. I don't think anyone saw that coming. I mean, obviously, there's no way for anyone to know how um competent we were going to be on offense because no one can actually see it no one really knew for sure what it was going to look like mm-hmm. but i yeah i liked what i saw i mean they passed for 261 yards they ran for 264 which is like what people always talk about like oh our team is best when we're balanced you know and that that's that's balance um granted they they ran it 59 times and passed right. it 33 <laughs> times but you know, as far as actual production, like it was pretty even. And uh, they did something that CU never does, which is they were awesome in the red zone. I know last year there were so many times it felt like we got in the red zone and then just couldn't do anything. And I don't know if that was Montez or um, Johnson play calling last year. You know, I don't know what was going on there, but they couldn't figure it out. And at least in game one, granted against UCLA. So I know their defense isn't anything special. Um, but Chev called a really, really good game for the most part, and they executed when they needed to. Yeah, um, and the thing that really blew my mind is, I mean, again, we, again, we, everything kind of blew my mind, but Sam Neuer honestly looked like he had complete control over the offense. Um, at first, it kind of seemed like they weren't letting him throw downhill. The, the announcers even mentioned it, but then... It almost as if it was a caster curse. I mean, a couple plays later, he threw a couple bombs and a couple dimes to Brady Russell. He threw one to Daniel Arias later in the game. I mean, he was making. Obviously, he wasn't going downfield like we were with Montez last year, but he when he was needed to make a, a throw that was beyond the line of scrimmage or beyond even the first down markers, he did what I thought was was pretty solid. And I think his stat line is even a little bit less forgiving than what he actually did i mean he, i know there were at least five drops i think i can recall that he put the ball where it needed to be yeah I, and yeah <laughs> i think the thing the thing with sam now is everyone i think everyone is going to have this idea of like this is what sam Doyer is this guy who had over 300 total yards and two touchdowns and ran the game perfectly I just need to put this in perspective for everyone. He was literally the highest graded quarterback in the Pac-12 this last week. Right. All right. So that puts him ahead of of Keaton Slovis and Jaden Daniels and all the guys who like everyone is obsessed with. He was ahead of all of them. I don't necessarily think that that's where he's going to be every week. So mm-hmm. I just want to temper some expectations here. That's about as good as he could have played. Um I think you're right. There were a few drops. I want to say Arias had like two of them. I think, I don't know if it was Maurice Bell or Dimitri Stanley had one that was kind of tough, but, you know, catchable. Brady Russell had mm-hmm. a couple. Um, and he he made like, I want to say a couple, maybe two, two or three throws that he just straight up missed. And then, you know, the other ones were kind of somewhere in between. Um but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take that every single day. <laughs> he had 257 yeah. yards passing, which is way, way more than what I expected. And really just in general looked like he was in control. I thought the first drive, maybe he had a little bit of, little bit of jitters, you know, seemed like a little bit um, like he was rushing things. But after that, I, I felt like he really settled down. 
Yeah, he he definitely did, and um, that I mean that as much as we haven't seen him play in his four or five years here, I guess now it is. We do have to remember he, even though he hasn't played, I mean he is a senior, so he's been in the college arena for a while now. So, um, I guess I didn't necessarily expect him to. Again, I, no one expected him to come out the way he did, but I kind of expected he would have a little bit more poise than you know a freshman or somebody else getting their first start at at, a, at the college level. Um, but one thing that one thing that really impressed me as well was he stood in the pocket and made some throws that. Montez last year would have either turtled and taken the sack or he would have just completely missed it. And I, I don't want to keep bashing on Montez, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty happy he's gone. Not necessarily just because of Sam Neuer, but I think it was just time for a change. But I mean, Neuer stood in there and took some hits while delivering some throws. And it was, just, I mean, it was just impressive for, for a guy making his first start in literally five years. Well, yeah. I mean, I tweeted out during the game something along the lines of, something along the lines of, yeah, Sam Neuer is pretty much just doing what we all wanted Montez to do for the last, like, three years. So, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's pretty much what it was. I mean, we can't forget Montez's first start was that Oregon game, and, you know, everyone remembers it as, like, he looked amazing, and he ran for over 100 yards and passed for over 300 yards or whatever it was. Um, So, you know, keep that in mind going forward. (laughs) Um, He also turned the ball over two times in that game, though, so... He did. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it was fun to watch. It was nice. Like, we were talking about it on our last podcast. It'll just be nice to have something different. And this was definitely different. So, um, yeah. it was great. And I'm super happy for Sam and Chev, for that matter. Um, I felt like they really came out and proved a lot of people wrong, including me and you and most and people <laughs> who thought about, yep. like, what this was going to look like. So, so, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, also, well, since you tempered expectations on Neuer, I also want to temper expectations on Chev. Let's not forget <laughs> we were like a top 25, top 30 offense in 2018. Um, by the end of that year, people were calling out our plays before they were, ball was even snapped. So True. let's hope he can continue. I mean, he, he really was, it was a diverse offense. I mean, I don't think there was any point in time where I kind of knew what was coming, which was refreshing. Um, but let's just, let's just keep that in mind. Who knows, you know, what happens if, um, you know, Jarek Broussard isn't having a, a phenomenal game because we're going to, we'll talk about him in a second, but that makes things a hell of a lot easier on, on a quarterback, especially a quarterback in his first start when your starting running back is just dominating no matter when he gets the ball or where, I mean, Jarek Broussard for a guy also really happy for him. He is not played for the last two years because he had two ACL injuries. Um, a lot of people, if you guys remember Max Borgie, who played at Washington, is he still there? Yeah, he's still there. Yeah, yeah. God, he, I feel like he's been there forever. Yeah, but I guess like a million I mean he's the same age as same age as Jarek Broussard. They uh, effectively dropped Max Borgie for Jarek Broussard. I think they thought Jarek was the better player, um, and unfortunately, we just haven't been able to see him because of his knee injuries until now. But I mean, if he plays like that, uh, he I think. CU fans will end up forgiving the the McIntyre era for letting Max Borgie go to Washington <laughs> State. Yeah, I mean, if, if that's – well, if he keeps playing like that, then we're talking about, like, a whole different realm of uh, of what's possible here. We're not just talking about, like, forgiving the failings of the McIntyre era. We're talking about, like, having a new legendary CU buff here. So, yeah. Um, I'm not expecting that by any means, but you know, we, we might as well get into Jarek and, and what he did. Um, he had over 200 total yards and three touchdowns, which like that never happens. <laughs> it was unbelievable for a guy in his first game to come out and doing that. And it really seemed like he, he did a lot of like, you could tell in this game, the offensive line played a, Actually, I thought played very, very well. So, like, a lot of the things were executed really well for him. But he just did a ton of turning, like, three-yard gains, four-yard gains, five-yard gains that were, like, just well-executed plays and turned them into 10, 15 yards regularly. I mean, he would, it would, he basically would allow everyone to do what they needed to do in front of him. And then he'd get one guy in front of him and he'd make him miss with that, that quick 
kind of juke move or or whatever he'd be doing or he'd get hit and just not go down i i couldn't believe how many times i felt like people hit his legs and it was like nothing like he just slipped out of it like it was no big deal um so yep yeah he was amazing yeah and uh, i i should have written it down but i want to say it was the very first drive um so if people want to go back and watch it just to give you an idea i mean we got it, it was a Play for no gain. I want to start it off by saying it was a play for no gain. But Neuer threw a swing pass to Broussard. He caught it behind the line of scrimmage. And a dude just had a perfect angle on him. And he kind of he kind of smoked him. He hit him, like, in the legs. But remember, this guy's five, like, Broussard's like 5'9", 185. So he's kind of a tree trunk. Smoked him in the leg. And he somehow kept his balance and got back to the line of scrimmage. Whereas, I mean, it, it was just, like, something so simple. But it was a really, really impressive play that he was able to keep his balance and fall forward before um you know before the the play ended because that should have been a three yard loss and he somehow turned it into a positive but yeah i mean he 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 was amazing are you good yeah i i I apologize to uh anyone who might be listening there's essentially like a crazy hailstorm outside right now in chicago so okay (laughs) so i saw your face i was like i don't know what's going on over there um hold on one second no worries. What is going on? Oh, oh no, it's gonna hit the car. Oh, oh my god, it's going so fast. Oh no, it's going for the dumpster motorcycle. Dumpster just hit some motorcycles. Alright, sorry, I'm back. Um Part of me wants to leave that in there just so people know that we're real people. Uh, yeah, I'm you can you can cut what you <laughs> what you need to to make that uh usable segment but you know we can keep that in there if i uh, don't make it through this podcast everyone knows why okay uh where were we uh jared, jared Broussard. Broussard. jared Broussard. just incredible like his balance right. is kind of what i was getting at there like he, he has such good balance yeah I, mean, I think we both tweeted about it throughout the game yeah it was amazing it was he obviously super pleasant surprise again another guy I couldn't be happier for wearing number 23 like another awesome number twenty three for Colorado. Actually, Philip Lindsay tweeted about that. Did you see that? Yeah, he said that like a new twenty three in town. New twenty three in town. So that was pretty sweet. That was really cool to see. But yeah, I mean, Broussard played well. Um, we kind of talked about it for a bit, but uh, Brady Russell, which uh, the most targeted person in this game was a tight end. Yep. Um, when was the last time CU had a tight end targeted? the most in a game. I mean, I, my guess is like Joel Klatt era, like 2004, 2005. I have no idea. That just like was like, that blew my mind when I saw that stat. Whoever was throwing to uh, Fournier or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fournier. Yeah. Um, that just, I mean, he, he had a good game. He did, again, he did have a couple drops, but five for 77 with a touchdown. He was the only receiving touchdown. Um, Dimitri Stanley, even though he didn't have any touchdowns or anything, he was kind of like a good secondary safety blanket. I think whenever there was a play that needed to be made on third down, Dimitri Stanley was there. He went six for 66 yards. Um, so he, I mean, he played really well. And then, um, you, I know we had kind of talked about people that we want, that we were highlighting last week that we wanted to see do well. Um, I think, you know, Demetri Stanley obviously did well. Uh, both of us, well, you said Mark Perry. I said strong safety. Um, Mark Perry, actually, I think he did okay for the most part. But again, in a, in a night filled with basically a ton of defensive blunders, it's hard to pick out a you know a player or two that really did well besides Darian Rakestraw. Um, but Arius, you had said Arius. Yeah. And <laughs> so, I don't, something's up with that guy. Yeah. I, and I don't know if it's like a mental or... or what but he's got all the talent in the world but he does like seem to have a weird case of the drops i don't know what's going on with him but i mean you know he had the one big catch for like 38 yards late in the game um which was huge but he did have he had one where neuer like kind of threaded the needle to him um and then yeah and then and and he dropped it it like hit him in the hands and he dropped it and then he had another one i think that like hit him in the numbers (laughs) And he dropped it, so I don't I don't know what's going on with him. I hope he figures it out. Um, if not, you know, I I I think we'll be okay because 
two guys who didn't even play this last week, um, Katie Nixon and Vontae Chenault, are are going to be active probably. I mm-hmm. mean, Katie, I guess, is a question mark still, but um, Vontae will actually be active. It'll be interesting to see how much time he actually gets on the field. Um, I know last year they talked a lot about how talented he was and, and how well he was doing in practice and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how much time he actually gets, if he actually gets on the field. Um, but you know, I, I think it could be, it could be good for Arius. Maybe it'll, it'll push him to play a little better, um, do a little bit better or, and if it, if it doesn't, if it doesn't push him to perform, then someone else will. So, yeah. Um, I hope for his yeah. sake, he figures it out because everyone's been talking about him for so long. I mean, he has the size, he has the speed, he has all the, the physical attributes. He just needs to kind of get it figured out. Um, I guess mentally at this point. Yeah, I mean, and I've I've heard from from a couple of players and from people at the program that he work. I mean, he works his ass off. Like he's one of the hardest workers on the team, no doubt. Yeah. So it's it's not like he's like you know just slacking off and it's not working out for him. I mean, he's putting in the work. I just think I don't know. Maybe maybe it's one of those things where he gets in games and it kind of shakes him a little bit. But I mean, maybe the you know with him finally starting, he'll kind of get used to it. Maybe he just needs a big game. You know, maybe he just needs yeah. one game where he he goes off so that he can be like, all right. I can do this, you know, I'm capable of doing this. I am this good of a player and I've got it from here. So, yeah, you know, hope he gets it <laughs> this week yeah. in Stanford will be a great time, but we'll see. Yep. Um, not to, not to kill all the, all the happy talk, but can we talk about, uh, field goals? Oh Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is there. Maybe because of a shortened practice or shortened uh, off season, they couldn't get in as much time doing field goal blocking. But my God, it seemed like every field goal we, even the ones we made, it seemed like they were. I was going to say half an inch away from blocking it. I was going to say even the two that um, Evan Price made were like fairly close to getting blocked. I mean, they were getting through every single time. So it almost looked like they just didn't understand. Like. Yeah, like you were saying, maybe it was a practice thing because there definitely just seemed to be people who would just run by guys. So I don't know what they were told in practice, but hopefully Carl gets in there and and explains to them this is how you protect a kicker because they just didn't seem to know. But yeah, um, I mean to be honest, there were a couple of kicks that probably shouldn't have even been attempted in the first place. But we can get to that a little bit later. Yes. Um, but yes, the kicking was an issue. Getting blocked a few yeah. times, that was definitely a problem. But, you know, I think going forward, like, it should be an easy thing to fix, you know? Like, it's supposed to be very difficult to block a kick. And it's not just because every every kick protection team is amazing. It's because it's, like, a very difficult thing to do if you actually try to stop them. So yep. um, I think we should be fine with that going forward. I'm not super worried about it. Yeah. So kind of transitioning again from the, from the field goals. So the defense, which we both thought, I mean, everybody thought was going to be a, a true strength of the team going into the season looked reminiscent of last year's defense in the first half of the season. They are, there were blown assignments, people just completely leaving met, met like tight ends, tight ends specifically wide open. I mean, that's part of the reason DTR even had a semi-respectable stat line is because he had like four, three or four passes where a guy was just wide open streaming down the field and he didn't have to do anything spectacular there. I mean, he even missed a few of those throws where he had guys wide open. So uh, again, DTR sucks. Just want to emphasize that <laughs> point. But I mean, the defense, I, I, it seems like these are things that they shouldn't have happening when it's the same defense from last year. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, so I think most of the issues for me, first of all, we really, we got the full DTR experience on Saturday. Um, we got the two turnovers, could have been two more um, from him. We got the... One where he basically handed it off to Darius. Yeah, the one where he just dropped, the he like dropped it on the ground. Like, I don't know what was going on there. He threw two to Isaiah Lewis that easily could have been picked. Um that he just didn't come up with. And like another one, I think even on that was almost a carbon copy of the one that Carson Wells did pick off, but later in the game where he like just tried to lob it over him and just didn't do it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. 
so we got all those, but we also got over 400 total yards and five touchdowns. So um, that was the full range of Dorian Thompson Robinson. All the talent in the world, super fast. I mean, he just, for that 65-yard touchdown, he basically just ran through the defense and, and was never to be seen again. Um, and that, I think, part of that is just that's that's who he is. I mean, we were talking about the defense having issues protecting people up the middle. That's definitely true. I think part of that is it almost seemed like Summers, you know, when they had success last year, they were blitzing more. Like he was getting really creative. You know, he was sending Mark Perry in there to make plays. And I feel like he just wanted to start out doing that same thing this year. And I don't know if maybe the safeties weren't ready for it. I know that the first the first big touchdown or the big play, it was like a 50-something yard pass to a tight end over the middle. Um I forget who the crew was on this game, but they called it out. They said the safety shaded toward the wide receivers and just left the tight end wide open. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I almost wonder if part of it was Summers wanted to just jump right into the game plan he was using at the end of last year, and, and maybe he needs to bring some guys a little bit more up to speed um, before he blitzes that much. <laughs> I did think it was a little bit yep. too much. Um, but all in all, I would say... The people who we thought were going to perform well did fairly well. I mean, I, I guess we can, you know, you can give me your opinion on this. You could disagree with me, but it seemed like like Mustafa Johnson was in the backfield a lot. You know, it was, he, no, he definitely was. It was just that Dorian Thompson Robinson can kind of run around enough that he could get away from him. And there were a couple, there were a few times. I want to say like two or three different throws where he was getting hit and basically just threw the ball up into the air and managed to find a guy who like hauled it in, you know, like a 50, 50 ball that, he, that he hauled it in. There were a few times there was at least once he was getting tackled by two guys at the same time and just tossed the ball in the air. And I think it was Isaiah Lewis just couldn't make a play on it. And, and the UCLA wide receiver or tight end was able to catch it. So, um, definitely some problems, but some issues that I think wouldn't be the same playing like a more stationary, less dual threat quarterback. Yeah, I think I think in future games, if Mustafa gets into the back into the backfield as much as he did this game against less mobile quarterbacks, he's going to have a lot more of a, of a stat line, I guess. To yeah, for sure. for lack of a better term. But um, I definitely, you know, you were right. Like you were saying, it does. It did seem similar to a lot of their issues last year. They kept getting them into third down, and then they give up a big play. Like yeah. a big screen or a big throw straight up the middle of the field. Um, I felt like the corners covered reasonably well. I know Christian Gonzalez had the pass interference calls. Um, I felt like they were a little bit unlucky. Not that they were wrong. They were the right calls, I would say. But, you know, one of them, uh, DTR just underthrew his guy by five yards. And, and Christian ran into the receiver because he was, he was tracking him. Um, and then... There's another one where he kind of like got tripped up and and had a hand in his face mask and fell forward and and tripped the wide receiver down. And I don't even know that that ball would have gotten caught. You know, some some unfortunate stuff there too to go along with it. Mm-hmm. To to kind of touch on that, I and I have no idea how true this is. I would find I would honestly be shocked if this is true. But Chase Howell mentioned it on the Buff Stampede as like a post game podcast they do. Um, it's like, I guess they just started it, but he mentioned it. And I had also heard something about this, like Arizona fans have been kind of been like, Oh, Oh, good luck with Demetrius Martin thing. Yeah. Apparently. And again, no idea if this is true or not. I would be shocked because this guy's a college coach. And if you don't know, this is a college coach, maybe don't, but he apparently doesn't teach his guys to turn around and play the ball. And so Arizona fans were saying they had a lot of pass interference calls. Again, no idea if that's true. Take it with a grain of salt. But um, it did kind of look like guys weren't really playing the ball on Saturday. Yeah. (laughs) Which is kind of concerning. Yeah. So I guess the grade for the defense would be uh, wait and see. I mean, yeah, you know, like I said, there are a few times where I don't think, like, there aren't a lot of other quarterbacks outside of maybe Jaden Daniels who get out of some of the things that he got out of and made plays. So Mm -hmm. um, granted we do have to play Jaden Daniels this year. So, you know, that's probably not going to be fun, but 
Um, It'll be interesting to see them play Stanford this upcoming weekend to see what their defense looks like when their pass rush maybe has a little bit better ability to really get home on the quarterback. Um, Obviously, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I think that there's potential for a much, much better game if we can make that happen. Yeah, I I mean, I think... Both in both halves, it was kind of we saw the extremes where we saw the defense. I mean, we got so many turnovers that UCLA didn't have too much to do, um, and they couldn't really make anything. They couldn't really make anything out of that because they were turning the ball over. Right. I don't expect us to get four turnovers in a half De- every game. Definitely not. Um, but I also don't expect us to have four blown assignments and you know just kind of epically collapse in the second half like that on defense. Yeah, every game. Agreed. So, um, I think. I mean, I think we saw the ups and the downs, but overall, I mean, again, considering how I felt before this game, I am much happier today than I thought I would have been a week ago. Oh God, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not even a question. Like, I, I was just happy during like this whole game even when they were blowing the lead i was just like wow this is amazing i can't believe this is actually happening and i know that ucla isn't very good but you know we're talking about a cu team that's projected the over the total for wins was 1.5 so halfway there baby yeah so they're almost there already um after after one game so as far as expectations go you know i'm i'm feeling good for sure yeah I'm not ready to change my initial no, projection of no, two no, wins. No, 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 definitely. But no, now if they come in and they, you know, if they beat Stanford pretty soundly, then I will absolutely be willing to to change my projections because um, if they beat Stanford, um, and, period. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and we can we can we can honestly just talk about it now, unless there's anything else you wanted to to get to on this game um, that we hadn't covered before. Before we move on, I did want to point out. Um, one thing, so overall, as far as coaching goes, I was, of course, I I can't believe I forgot about this. (laughs) I I feel good about Chev. Obviously you're right. It's kind of a wait and see with him to see, uh, to make sure that he can adjust because that was his problem before. Um, as far as Carl Durrell goes, I feel good in the sense that, you know, this team had a lot of obstacles to overcome more so than most teams in the Pac-12, I believe, um, in terms of some of the health guidelines that they had to get past and, you know, a few other things, obviously, uh, Mel leaving when he did, Carl getting hired so late in the process, all of that stuff happening. So they had a lot that they had to get over and to be able to come out in the first game with no fans in a weird situation and play the way that they played, I feel very good about him in that respect. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, The one thing that worries me a little bit, and I'm not saying that this will be a problem. I know when he used to coach at UCLA, they talked about this being a problem, but that was a different time. So I'm not totally buying into like what Carl Durrell was 15 years ago or whatever when he, when he last coached. But um, the, the issue is, so there were three different times when, when you're looking at the game, three times, two times where yeah, three times, I'm going to say, where he made decisions that were really conservative that bothered me. So mm. the first one, end of the half, they played, they essentially played for a 50-yard field goal at the end of the first half. Um, they had three timeouts. They had plenty of time. They let the time wind down. They kicked the field goal. They missed it because Stefano left it short, um, which, by the way, James Stefano retired today. So. Oh, yeah. Happy retirement. Um, happy retirement to him. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I, I do f- he had injury issues, so, um, you know, I, I wish him the best. But Yeah, I, f- I do feel bad for him because I know he kind of, I mean, his whole thing here was trying to get to the NFL, but I think he just kind of realized that it just wasn't going to happen. Issues, it's yeah. not going to happen. So I do feel bad for him, but best of luck to him going forward. But um, he missed that kick. He missed it short. It was, it was going right down the middle, but he missed it short. Um, and that kept the score the same, as opposed to like really trying to drive, get the ball close. Either even if he got a field goal, he gets a field goal. But maybe even get another touchdown. I mean, the way they were moving the ball, who knows? Um, and they played a conservative, didn't do it, kicked a field goal, missed. Mm-hmm. Um, they had another 
later on, they're up 35-21 at this point. UCLA has scored 14 straight points. They were 4th and 1 at the opponent 22. They kicked a field goal. It was blocked. And then UCLA drove down the field and scored a touchdown. So this happened two times. They went for 4th and 1. Sam Neuer is getting like 4 yards every time he quarterback sneaks that thing. Okay? Like, the offensive line is killing it. And we have a quarterback who's big and strong and can run. So, like, every 4th and 1 for me... I mean, unless you're deep in your own territory, I'm like, yeah, go for it, you know? Yeah. Um, so that bother, that that stuff bothers me. And then he had another one later on um, that ended up not being a huge deal, because obviously because they ended up winning the game. But, you know, you're up 48-35, again, fourth and one on the opponent 28-yard line, and you get your field goal blocked, and UCLA goes and scores, <laughs> that, you know, to, to get a one-score game at the end of the game. When with three, you know, three and a half minutes left, they go for that on fourth and one. At the very least, they wind the clock down another, you know, minute or so, or make them use their timeouts or or whatever. But it just, right. I, I just feel like that's a gimme for us, and that's something that that we need to be doing. So, as far as Carl's in-game management, you can color me uh, concerned <laughs> about the conservativeness of him. You know, we didn't have anything crazy, like no punts from the opponent, like 39-yard line or anything crazy like mm-hmm. that. But but the those decisions bothered me a little bit, especially since he started out and looked like he was going to be aggressive when he went through that for that first fourth down. So, what the, what, It was like at UCLA's 48 or yeah, something, right? Yeah, and it was like fourth and five or something, you know? So Yeah. Um, and I was kind of with it. I was like, all right, this seems a little risky, but if that's what he's going to be, that's what he's going to be. And then he stopped from then on. So yeah. um, for me, I'm kind of just like, just do it, man. I mean, it's a it's it's a weird season. You're at a program. You have zero expectations. You basically have a pass for the first year, as much as I hate to say that. And I know we talked about hating to say that, but I know like in terms of the AD and the public and stuff. Oh, yeah. As far as the AD goes, yeah. he's absolutely got to pass. Yeah, you might as well just go for it, right? Like, what's what's the harm? No one's really going to be like, oh, fourth and one in their territory. You shouldn't have done that. You should have taken, taken the points, you know? I mean, at this point, like, go for it. Go for the throat, you know, in that game before UCLA has a chance to take the ball down the field and, and score it. And if you don't get it, you know, you don't get it. It's fine. But I I would feel more supportive of that. So we'll see what he does in the future. I think he probably also thought that the defense was going to be a little stronger than yeah. it actually was. So, I don't know. Maybe he adjusts as the game plan has to adjust, too. Yeah. And, I mean, honestly, at this point, I think we've got a better shot of making those fourth down conversions than making a field goal. Yes. From what we've seen. <laughs> so, so, that's even more reason to go for it. But, um, oh, I, how did we forget to touch on this? Uh, everyone asked for it every year for the past I don't even know how many years. Play the backup quarterback for meaningful stuff. Oh, God. We finally do it, but there are right and wrong times to do this. This was absolutely a wrong time. It was, we were up, what, 21-7, right? Yeah, they had just gotten another turnover. We were up 21-7, and we put Lytle in, and... I mean, when you're when when you have a guy who's making his first start and he is clearly feeling himself like Sammy Neuer Cooking. was, yeah, you do not pull him in favor of the guy that couldn't beat out last year's for fourth string safety. Do not pull him. <laughs> I mean, you got to look at it both ways. Yes, Neuer won the job, but also he still was last year's fourth string safety. So Lytle, who remained at quarterback, if you can't beat him out, then probably isn't isn't good enough to play at this level. Yeah. So yeah, that don't pull Neuer out when he's cooking like that. You could call that questionable. So I know Durella has said and has repeated even after the game they're going to get um, reps, in-game reps for Lytle. I know they want to like continue to try and bring him along, and I'm sure that's you know looking ahead to the future. But yeah, you you just you just gotta think. In that moment, you're going, we have a chance to really win this game. And this this guy, Sam Neuer, is going off. 
and mm-hmm. looks great. I mean, if anything, I would have thought like a better time would be after some kind of like game break, whether it's maybe he gets the first drive after halftime or something like that. But that's the thing is like, I don't even know if there is a good time, like your team is winning and you, you end up needing every point that you can get. And of course it ended up not really mattering. I mean, they stopped UCLA um, or even did they get another turnover after that? And then they scored. Uh, so after that punt, um, yeah, UCLA fumbled it. That's right. Yeah, and then they and scored we did again. get the ball back, and Lytle came right back in. <laughs> well, well, or Neuer came in, right? Or no- yeah. Neuer came right back yeah. in. Sorry. So, I, you know, it's a delicate situation. I get it. I'm sure they, you know, they said it was a close competition in camp, but at some point, you just kind of have to be like, all right, this guy's killing it right now. We're just gonna ride with him, and you gotta hope that Lytle understands you know, okay, like, obviously he's playing really well and they're trying to win the game, but. Yeah, like, I, I'm I'm more okay with it if, like, we have two consecutive drives where we just didn't get too much going. Sure, yeah. And sure, throw throw Lytle in there for a series Change see if up. he can do anything different. Yeah. But not when you scored your first two touch your, on your first two drives, or excuse me, your last two drives because they did have to punt on the first drive, but not when you scored on your first two drives. And, again, this is still... Neuer's first start or when there is a blowout one way or another actually let the the backup Lytle run the offense instead of just handing it off every play right right so there are ways to do it that was not I don't believe the most ideal way to handle a backup quarterback situation yeah but who knows uh maybe maybe we'll we'll enjoy it more as we get more comfortable with this team but um yeah I mean I think that's for the most part again overall Good win for the Buffs. Hopefully, we can we can get to two and zero this weekend against Stanford. Before we get to Stanford, uh, other games in the pack. So we are already first week of the season. Pac twelve has had two games canceled. Uh, Utah and Arizona did not play, and Cal and Washington did not play. Um, I mean, there's not not much else to be said about that. Uh, we've, they've got their protocols. Clearly, something didn't go right there. Uh, USC and Arizona State did play, which was a wild finish. If you didn't have a chance to go watch that game, I would highly recommend just going and watching it. Um, but, I mean, USC, let, let's just start there. USC, Arizona State. Arizona State had that game won and just kind of fumbled it, pun unintended, <laughs> to end the game. It was... I, I, I don't even really know how to describe exactly what happened other than just they seemed like they didn't they thought it was over and they just kind of, you know, I don't even, I, I guess maybe you have a better way to describe it than I can. See, like, I don't even know that you could say they thought it was over. Cause I mean, think about the scores that USC had on those last two drives. Like one of them was a fourth down tipped pass that just happened to get tipped right to the USC receiver in the end zone. And the other one was a throw forced into double coverage that, the ASU defender missed the ball by like half an inch and the USC wide receiver just made a great play on it. I mean, that was a dime. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it just like, I don't know, man. Sometimes when you're ASU and you're in that situation, sometimes you just got to be like, well, that sucks. But so many things had to go wrong for them to end up losing that game. I mean, they were in control for like 58 minutes and just blew it at the very, very end. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't even know how you reconcile that all the way. I mean, I don't know, Brett, you're the guy who's a fan of Atlanta sports, so you can probably talk to some <laughs> ASU to people about blowing leads. <laughs> Blow me. Um, um <laughs> God, I, I can't, I, I'll never escape that. Granted, I root for the Chargers and they're literally the Kings, uh, the champions of blowing games at the very end right now. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I shouldn't be talking. But basically what it came down to was, yeah, ASU just didn't make the plays at the very end. And USC needed like every single possible thing to go right for them. And it just it just did. It just fell right to them. Um, yep. I don't even really think that either team looked that good. You know, I mean, Jaden Daniels kind of struggled throwing the ball. He ran it well, but he kind of struggled throwing the ball. And Keenan Slovis put up a ton of yards, but he threw it like 50 times. And 
they did, like I said, they did nothing really for like 58 minutes. So it was kind of a weird game and it'll be interesting to see how both those teams look going forward. Yeah, I'm not ready to say that they are aren't still clear cut ahead of the rest of the, sure. the yeah, division. Yeah. Um, we'll have to see after this week and maybe next week if they end up playing. But um, I definitely, you know, if they play like they did this last weekend for the next couple weekends, I will no longer think that it's absolutely a two horse race for for the South. Yeah. Um, so that that's that was just a again just if you have a chance to go watch the last five minutes of that game. I would recommend you do. It was fun football, and it was just kind of wild to see. Um, Stanford, Oregon, I know you had mentioned you watched that game. Um, so, I mean, what were your kind of thoughts, especially because we've got Stanford coming up here? Yeah, I mean, obviously it was on at the same time as the CU game, but I, mm-hmm. I got a good a good gist of it. So, I mean, this game really, it's 35-14 is a score, but, I mean, it, it was close for a big portion of it. I mean... Um, I think it was like 14 to seven at halftime. Um, and you know, Stanford, Stanford was missing three players because of COVID, including Mm -hmm. their starting quarterback and one of their starting wide receivers. So, um, you know, they were missing guys and their starting quarterback, uh, Davis Mills is, is someone who a lot of people thought would be one of the better quarterbacks in the PAC 12 this year. So they were kind of at a disadvantage right out the gate playing, obviously the best team in the conference and playing them away from home without their best player. So, right. Um, take, you kind of take the result with a grain of salt a little bit, but, um, really basically what I saw was Stanford. I would say they look better than last year's Stanford. I mean, that Stanford team just absolutely sucked down the stretch. I mean, we beat them like 16 to 13 or whatever that horrible game was. Um, they're <laughs> they like I said they played with their backup quarterbacks. They actually had two of them who played in this game. One of them is more of a game manager type. One of them has like a really good arm and was taking shots, but was like three of nine. So clearly accuracy is a problem. <laughs> um, their kicker went over four, over four, which that's brutal. How do you even get a kicker to over four? You know, I mean, like. That means you have to let a guy go out there three times, miss, and they were they were easy. <laughs> and still let him kick. They kick. were easy kicks. Like they weren't like some ridiculous like fifty six yarder or something like that. Like they were all, I believe they were all forty five yards and and less. I could be wrong about that, but I from from what I saw, they were pretty easy. Some of them. And then after he misses his third and just like takes a bad kick, and you're looking at him and you're like, this guy does not look like he wants to be there. And then you send him out for a fourth one and he misses that one. And the fourth one was basically an extra point, like plus five yards straight up the middle. Like he wasn't off to the side at all. And he just completely whiffed on it. So that'll be something to look for in, in the game this weekend. But, (laughs) um, you know, they just didn't, they just weren't as good. I mean, I think that's what it came down to. Oregon is just a better team. And over time they wore them down you know, they they have two dynamic running backs. They've got a new quarterback who, who can run and throw. I mean, made some mistakes, but um nothing nothing obviously nothing backbreaking and and they just look better and eventually Stanford broke because they just couldn't keep up with them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll have to so I mean Oregon will be I mean, I mean from what it sounded like, it didn't sound like they were showing that they are like a, a top four team in the country, like playoff worthy. No, but 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 for me they're again, definitely the best team they looked like the best team in the conference. Yeah. So Yeah, and again it, yeah, like, I mean we, it's like we like we've been kind of saying it's it's week one in the Pac twelve, so yeah. Who knows? And everyone you know, the old saying is best improvements from week one to week two. So good for us also. But um for a team like Oregon, we'll see how they look, you know, after that first week goes by. But um Wazoo and Oregon State. I know neither of us caught any of this. I think you had mentioned it sounded like Washington State was just kind of the better team That's a big for, for the most of the game for me. Yeah, um, <laughs> go ahead. But um, one interesting tidbit: uh, apparently, after the game, it was discovered that Wazoo was missing thirty-two players. Yeah, for undisclosed reasons. And when when asked about it, Nick Rolovich, their head coach, was like. Well, we got to win 
do we really have to discuss this? Let's not talk about it. And just completely dismiss this thing. Yep. So, no idea what's going on over at Washington State, but that just seems really bad to have 32 players out. Regardless of, and I think you had said it's only like, only it sounds like one of them was COVID related. Yeah, supposedly it came out like that only one of them potentially is COVID related, but I just, I don't know, like, what happens to your team that 31 of them are out? for non-covid reasons like they all get hit by a bus like how did <laughs> that like, sounds like the only like they were, they, were on, they were on a bus and they got in an accident and so 31 guys are injured oh yeah and we have one guy who has covid like i you know i don't know how that happens yeah i i have no idea either so hopefully we kind of hear like a story break on something like that just because i'm just curious to know what the hell is happening over in uh pullman but yeah um again kind of another yeah like you said Kind of a big fat don't care right now. Yeah, I mean we don't um, we don't play them this year, you know. Like yeah. we don't play either of those teams except for potentially in that seventh game. Right, and neither of them are going to be contending for the North, so we don't really want to. We don't really need to pay attention no. to that as much either. No. So, well, maybe you know, maybe if if we figure out if it starts to look like we might play one of those two, we'll obviously go into that. But um, on to this week's game: Buffs versus Stanford. You, I mean, you wrote down here in our. In our outline, if it is even played, is there some COVID news out of Sanford that's worse than they had last week that I haven't heard of? No, I mean it's it's just I know they have one extra came out today. They have a fourth person who's going through COVID protocols. The other three guys, it sounds like they're not sure if they're going to be able to play this weekend or not. Um, obviously, it's kind of out of their hands, but right. it, you know, it's more of just at this point, every single game is like if this game even gets played, you know? Yeah, because. We just don't. We just don't know what's going on. I mean, Utah has been decimated essentially. I mean, they were talking about how they have like walk-ons and and practice squad guys that are getting like first uh-huh. team reps this week because they just don't have the players, um, and they're trying to field a, a team that can actually play, let alone be competitive. And you know, you've got Cal with like they had one person, but the Berkeley health regulations are so strict that they had to hold out like 20 other people or something like that. So they couldn't feel the team. So it's just kind of, you know, you just don't know week to week. I mean, the sec is getting like torn apart by COVID right now. Um, they just had two games get canceled. So, or postponed, sorry. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, it, it, the, if it is even played is just this, that's like an evergreen portion <laughs> of our outline. I feel like from now on. So, We'll see. That okay, that's that's fair. So um kinda I mean you you kinda touched on it a little bit, but I mean what is what is the, the thing to look out for with Stanford? They I mean, are they still sticking with that, you know, toss it up style they were doing a couple of years ago or are they back to old traditional Stanford football? Uh I would say probably more old traditional. I mean, they had so they have two running backs, Austin Jones and Nathaniel Pete. Um who look pretty dynamic. I mean, Austin Jones had a hundred yards on 20 carries and two touchdowns against Oregon. And Nathaniel Pete had 93 yards on only six carries. So like they can run the ball, you know, and that that's like anytime Stanford has right. been good, that's been something that they've been able to do. Um, they, you know, they still do a lot of similar conservative Stanford stuff, running the ball on third and long occasionally and, and punting in opponent territory and, you know, the classic David Shaw um, <laughs> special. So that's still there. And granted he wasn't playing with his starting quarterback this week. So that could change if Davis Mills is in the lineup, but you're still talking about a guy who, even if he is able to play in this game, he's probably not, he probably hasn't practiced in weeks. So it'll be interesting right. to see uh, what their actual game plan looks like, but I would expect a lot, a lot of running the ball. So that's kind of what we're looking at, and a kicker yeah, so who I mean, can't hit anything. Yeah, I mean that's 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 nice to know. I mean, one, I hope I hope uh, Davis Mills ends up okay, but I wouldn't mind if he's just COVID restricted for the next, <laughs> of course, yeah, six days. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it sounds like Austin Jones is kind of like the big, the big person to watch out for, and then that, I think what is his name Nathaniel Pete or something is the yeah, other guy. Yeah, he's like the other, their other running back. So, yeah. So, 
That, I mean, those seem, it really seems like those are the two guys to look out for. I mean, let's kind of to just compare it to how UCLA did. If you take away the one play where DTR just kind of broke loose for like a 65 yard touchdown, I mean, they're only averaging 4.5 yards a carry. So it wasn't like they were like doing anything special here. Um, so I wouldn't, and again, I think the front seven still is kind of the, the strength of the defense. So if they can kind of figure out some of those missed, you know, missed assignments they had last week, then I think that kind of bodes well for us in terms of a matchup offense versus defense or defense versus offense, I should say, against Stanford. Um, and then kind of flipping it around, you know, what, what was Oregon doing? Was it, we're just kind of coming out with a mixed attack here or was there something that Stanford really couldn't stop? I mean, it, it's pretty much like, you know, it, it's hard to say, oh, Oregon did something that we can do because Oregon is like, yeah, we have all these really good recruits and they're all awesome dynamic playmakers. So, you know, they just like put them in space and they make plays and then they win. Um, but it honestly was basically the Oregon version, at least it felt to me, of kind of what we were doing. I mean, lots of running they were moving their quarterback mm-hmm. they're keeping their quarterback running some they have a dynamic playmaking running back who can make people miss in verdell and that's pretty much how they were doing it i mean a lot of running a lot of running a lot of running the occasional downfield shot and then other than that it was you know just not trying to do too much and eventually eventually breaking through there but um you know it, it's it kind of looked to me like if the buffs offense plays how it did against UCLA, it it should be okay if they can make that happen. The question is, can they dominate? Can their offensive line dominate the way they dominated UCLA? You know, it's a different team, um, and you just if if the game plan can still work with who we have versus their guys, then I think it's a very manageable thing, and it's kind of what Oregon did to beat them in the first place. So um, we'll definitely be looking for that. You know, is can Broussard really? make people on the Stanford defense miss the same way he did with UCLA, you know, are they going to be able to bring him down? Will another game, um, for that Stanford defense will having game film against us, like slow us down, you know, all those things. So Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see for sure. But I think that's, that's a, a that's an offense that should work um and i think it's kind of what we're gonna have to do every game from now on like when we're doing our best that's what it'll look like so i think we kind of i'm hesitant to say it but it's kind of a good matchup for us right now (laughs) right um you know we're talking about a stanford team that likes to run the ball so that means hopefully less like deep balls down the middle to a wide open receiver 50 yards down the field (laughs) Um, and they have, like I said, one of two backup quarterbacks. I mean, Jack West is the guy who started the game against Oregon. He's kind of more of a game manager type. Like I said, a lot more short passes, didn't really do anything spectacular, took a couple shots down the field. I I think he might've connected on one of them. That was like a really great catch from his wide receiver. Um, otherwise, you know, I worry about getting pass interference penalties on us, but (laughs) (laughs) um not not super like not someone who scares me and then tanner mckee is the the third string i guess the guy who came in after him and like i said he was chucking it down the field um but went three for nine so god god only knows what they're what what that's gonna look like i don't know who they're gonna go if mills isn't able to play but um it's really going to be about stopping those two running backs that they have and and slowing them down for sure and if we can do that, okay. then I'm just not worried about the offense really as much, which is so weird yeah. to say. <laughs> right. It's not now. I don't think neither of us expected to to say something like that at any point in this season. Yeah. So um, as far as um, Buffs teams often, we kind of touched on on who to watch on, on Stanford. Who who on the Buffs are you looking out for this week uh, for for us? Um. I mean, okay, I'm going to try to stay away from the obvious, like, Broussard and, and Neuer and those guys, because, I mean, that's, like, clearly, if Broussard can do this again, then that's amazing. So hopefully he looks yep. just as dynamic as he did before. But, you know, for me, like, he had he had 31 carries in that first game, and I just don't think that's a sustainable 
output for him. I mean, for really anyone mm-hmm. anymore. Like, that's just not what you do with running backs. They just wear down. I know it's a short season, but I'd be worried, especially a guy coming off of two torn ACLs. Like, let's be a little careful with him. Um, so I'm hoping to see Jaron Mangum get a little bit more touches, get going a little bit more. Um, obviously this is kind of a reach. It's more of a hope for me than what, than an expectation. I just want them to run him differently. Like I don't want them to put, I don't want Chev to put Mangum in the same exact plays that Broussard is running and expect him to do just as well. Cause that's not realistic. I want to see Mangum in more like power sets, you know, or yeah. like put Brady Russell in front of him and just tell him run downhill, follow your blocks break through, run someone over, and see what happens, you know? Because I think that's where mm-hmm. he's best. That's when he does really well. Or maybe he makes one downfield move, but he's not the guy who, at the line of scrimmage, is going to make someone miss with some crazy quickness and then, like, sprint into a hole, you know? So I'd like to see a little more balance there. I would love it if if Mangum had a, had a solid game um, after having, like, a fine one in this first week on offense and then on defense i'm gonna say um i don't know i i i mean mustafa johnson i want to i just i really want to see if having a different looking quarterback allows him to get to him pretty much i guess the defensive line in general the pass rush in general like i just want to see some stacks i'm tired i don't want to see a guy break away anymore and make ridiculous throws off his back foot or while getting tackled or whatever else. Like I want to see the quarterback get brought to the ground. That's my thing for the defense. Okay. Um, for, for me on, on offense, um, I wanted to see, I, I was going to give it back to, to Daniel Arias again. Yeah. I want to see him just come on, man. I'm pulling for you. Just catch the ball and do whatever it is that you can do because you're a freak athlete. It's very obvious from looking at you on, on, on the TV. So <laughs> just, just put it together with the mental aspect, with the physical aspect and something will happen. Um, that one, I mean, that's pretty straightforward defensively. Um, I want to see Akil Jones. I think, I mean, uh, you had mentioned the, the safety one time shaded to the wrong side or shaded too far. And that's what left the tight end open. But I know there were a couple Definitely. of those tight end catches where it looked like it was Akil Jones man to mark. Um, we were in man, man, man D and he just either forgot or didn't see him. Yeah. So I want to see him catch up with the, with the passing game and actually make a play there. Or at least just, just don't let a guy run downfield wide open. <laughs> just at least try and at least try and stick with him. Someone within 10 yards of him would be great. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if we can do that, I mean, if, cause Stan- Stanford's always been a team that's had producing tight ends for the most part. Um, so I, I don't know what they look like right now, but if they're even functional, I mean, I think that anybody could, could have a game with those kind of misalignments on, on our end. So as long as we just kind of f- figure those out and Akil Jones can kind of do his part, I think that'll bode really, really well for us going through next week. Yep. Agreed. So what do you got for me on, uh, this game's prediction? Okay. Um, I'm going to alter it a little bit from <laughs> from what I had last week because obviously, or at least I hope, our offense can keep up something similar. I'm not expecting the same output, but, you know, I, I think it probably, I think it probably goes more close to like normal. Like, I don't think they're going to put up 48 points again. I think that's, that's nuts, but... I'll say we can get 30 on Stanford and and Stanford ends up in like the I'll say 21. We'll call it that. We'll call it 30 to 21 for the Buffs. I'm I'm kind of banking on Davis Mills not being in the game. If he's in the game then it's totally different and I'm much more scared. But um we'll see. Okay. Um I just had 35 to 27 Buffs. I think that they'll Without, I'm assuming we aren't going to get four turnovers in the first half and score off of all of them. Yeah, but uh, I think you know if they if, with with Neuer and Broussard looking like they did the first game, if they can kind of keep up even part of that, um, I could see 35 being pretty realistic, doing kind of what Oregon did. Because again, I mean, Oregon's got a new QB as well. 
yes, they've got their freak athletes, but um, I, they also were a little slow to start the game as well. So yeah, I'm um, I'm I'm looking for the defense to kind of get back on track on this one, which I think they can. Like I said, I think DTR and all mobile mobile quarterbacks have just given us a hard time recently. So I'm thinking getting someone who's a little bit more stationary could be really good for them. So that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, so any uh, anything else on Stanford that you wanted to touch on But before we uh, hop into the Tweet of the Week real quick? Um, I mean, just that... If they win this game, and obviously depending on how some other teams look in the Pac-12, it changes my outlook a little bit. Because now we're talking about, you know, UCLA is probably, at this point, we're talking about the second worst team in the South. So beating them was good mm-hmm. because, you know, we were projected to be like the worst team in the South. So, yep. um, so beating them is good, and it moves us up for sure. But... Beating Stanford, I feel like now we're really looking at a team that has kind of moved into the middle of the pack of the conference, which frankly is somewhere I would love to be. <laughs> so, same. Um, just as far as perspective on this one, you know, if, if they can, if they can win it, if they can pull it off, and I know everyone's got a lot of confidence right now because of how the offense looked. Um, and I, you know, I hope they do. I hope they come out and they look strong and, and the offense proves it's not a fluky first game thing and, and the defense figures it out. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would love to be in, uh, the middle of the pack as far as the conference goes. Yeah. Something we haven't been in for a while. <laughs> yeah. So, um, with that being said, uh, did you have a tweet of the week? I had one that just... Pretty uh, standard. I'm pretty sure most Buff fans saw it, but I thought it was uh, thought it was cool to see. Uh, I don't know. Plug in any tweet where Michigan State had to tweet out the score of their game this last weekend. I think that's a good tweet of the that, week. That that is a good tweet, um, <laughs> tweet of the week. It was brutal. And again, I just think it's funny. I really do. <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. Yeah. The one the one that I was gonna just plug real quick was um, the let's see what was the the oh I'm looking at the wrong thing. The account, I want to say it was Pac-12. I'm pulling it up right here. Or Sports Pac-12. They tweeted out week one quarterback rankings. Oh, yeah. And at the very top of the list, Sammy Neuer. Yep. And then there was another tweet, and I can't find it right now, but there's another tweet that uh, listed out the running backs in terms of performance from week one. And also at the top of the list, Jarek Broussard. Player of the week, man. Pac-12 player of the week. Oh, he got Pat Plaque Top Twenty of the yep. Week. I didn't even see that. Yep. That's awesome to hear. So clearly, you know, Week One was a was a good was a good start. Let's hope the Buffs can can kind of roll through with it to Week Two, and hopefully we come back and next week we're talking about two and O Buffs, um, which two and O in conference play to start conference play. Don't know how long it's been since we pulled that off. God, I'd be so happy I could cry, but. Um, let's, uh, we'll, we'll be back next week, uh, with, with that reaction and we'll, we'll hopefully be talking about two and O buffs team. We're looking at ASU hungry, ready to go. Oh, that's right. ASU is after this. That's right. <laughs> Whew. All right. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for listening this week. We'll be back next week, uh, going over the, the Stanford game. Yeah. Hey, uh, also I forgot to say it last week, but you know, if you feel like it, Put a little five star review in there. That always helps us. gets a gets a little Thank more you. traction. Um, leave some kind words if you want. Uh, as Brett said earlier, send us emails, ask us questions, any kind of content you want. We'll try to get it done. Um, but as always, thanks for listening and Scobuffs. Scobuffs.